0: Hey everyone, um, just a quick, a little bit of a different intro on this one. I had a chance just recently to sit down with John Perry. For those of you who are in the lawn care industry or maybe a DIY homeowner, you've heard that name or you've seen his videos. He is the founder of BioGreen. He is the founder of Lawncology and the founder of Green County Fert. And he's done a lot for the industry. He's helped people to see and look deeper into the soil, not just putting fertilizer. So it goes a lot along with the messages and the things that I teach here on the show um, so the reason I'm doing this intro is the show is actually for my other podcast, which is called the company next door. I interview entrepreneurs. And so I had a chance to sit down with John, go through his life and and kind of figure it out what makes him tick and how he became who he is and, and, and some of the future things that are coming. Anyway, I got done the episode and I realized this will be a great episode for eco lawn science, um, because so much of what he done, has done, well, all of it just about is in the lawn care space. Um, and, and many of you already know him. He's an influencer. He's done a lot of cool things. So enjoy this episode um, with John Perry. Thank you. Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Etsy with another episode of The Company Next Door. Today, I've got a special guest here with me. His name is John Perry. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming all the way from Park City down to Heber.
1: Big, big travels. You know, I had to get in the plane and then take a helicopter bus.
0: That sounds about accurate.
1: Summit, yeah. It's 15 hey, miles.
0: If you want me to uh, send, pitch in some gas money, we'll do.
1: Oh, that'd be great. We yeah. can.
0: Yeah. About eight bucks. Oh, perfect.
1: That's That'd be great. Yeah. Done.
0: Um, so John, for you guys, if you're in the lawn care space, you already know who he is. He is everywhere. He has, we're going to get into the whole history of it, but he's, he's built lawn companies. He's built a, a manufacturer, manufacturing plant. He's built a whole uh, education side called lawncology. Uh And that's probably, and I'm guessing there's more to what he's done, but, um, You know, he's just an influencer as well. So if you're in the space, you've seen him, you know, his videos and you can go online and find all his videos. But today I told him I want to talk. uh, We're both kind of lawn nerds and we kind of want to avoid too much lawn nerdy talking.
1: It'd be great. Yeah. I think that, I think that I like putting people to sleep as much as the next guy, but yeah. I, I think we could probably, <laughs> we could probably avoid that today.
0: Uh, awesome. So, so John, let's, let's start back. I know you've been in Park City since the nineties. That's right. But did you grow up here or wh- where did you come from?
1: So uh, born in Houston, actually. So Texan originally mm. uh, moved here between the ages of 12 and 13. And um, we had sort of a history in Park City to begin with. So uh, be, like all Texans, we're, we're huge skiers. I mean, I don't know if you know. That's like, usually
0: the first thing when they say Texas. Yeah, Texas. it is.
1: You know, we're super comfortable on snow and slippery surfaces because we're, we're around it all the time, right? <laughs> so uh, so my parents came to Park City, I want to say in about 1986, originally on a ski trip. They left the kids at home. But same thing I would do. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the more trips I can take without my kids. Yeah. And um, so they came up and they fell in love with it. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe eventually we'll bring bring the family up. So my first... Uh, visit to Park City was, I want to say in 1987, maybe 88. And that was really the first time I saw real snow at yeah. that point. And so we, we came back and just kind of fell in love with the town, came back for a summer. And um, the timing just sort of worked out. My dad was in the oil business down okay. there. He was a VP. Obviously, I don't know what else anybody does in
0: Texas. It's all oil.
1: Uh, it's oil or oil. Mm. I think those are the two. <laughs> so, uh, so his company he worked for sold and uh, he, he retired, essentially, and we didn't immediately move to Park City. Now, Park City today has a very kind of a certain, I don't know, aura about it or what people think about it. It's got its thing, yeah. It, back then, it really, it was quiet.
0: Yeah, I heard it was not uh, a very rich town like it is now. No. I, I heard it was uh, kind of dumpy in the 70s. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, wasn't I wasn't here know. then, but it, it wasn't great yet, yeah. I would
1: say. You know, the neighborhoods were older. They hadn't really expanded out towards, you know, towards the junction. So things hadn't really changed yet. Um, so when, when we were here, it was still pretty sleepy. I, I want to say there were two stoplights. Wow. Now there's, I don't know, 30 to get into town. It takes forever. You can't go, <laughs> you can't go anywhere without stopping. Yeah. So um, we actually moved into a motorhome for a year. That's awesome. So it was myself and my three sisters, two dogs, parents, and uh, homeschooled for that time, right? Because there was nothing else.
0: That, that's what I'm doing right now. I literally just moved into one. We're going to travel and I'm homeschooling my son because of the corona. So- It works. We have the same story.
1: Yeah, okay. So- We're I'm, the same. We I, are the same. I never really wanted to homeschool my kids and I'm having to do that now. Same like, story. Oh. We have the same story. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, we did that, um, moved into a motorhome, traveled, and, and basically did like, you know, a kind of living history. In a way, so we went to all Civil War sites. We went to Revolutionary War awesome. stuff. We went to every every single base and whatever there was, you know. So and, and just toured, and toured, and we spent the winter in Park City and skied. And uh, the following fall, uh, decided, yeah, let's, you know, we're going to leave Texas and and move up here. So that that was.
0: So 90s. let me ask you this. When, when your daddy was in the oil, was he always working away from the home? I mean, oh yeah, I feel like, cause I feel like oil guys, that's, they're working a lot. How did you take, how did he do this trip? So, so
1: he was, he was out of work at that point. So the company oh. sold and he was sort of forced into retirement. I don't think he wasn't ready. I can tell you that for sure, because he continued after this, he was like, I gotta, I gotta go back at, into the field. I yeah. can't do this anymore. So he, uh he took a few years off and then decided he wanted to get back into speculation and drilling and all this stuff and, and he ended up taking a job in siberia as a matter wow. of fact so he was working overseas in, with the
0: family or the family stayed? no there.
1: no we stayed we stayed here and wow. he would go for weeks at a time and then it was months at a time and then it was that was it and we never saw him again uh no it took a little while before we saw him again but it was a while so um yeah it, we we just kind of stayed here and and settled in and um it was it was great. I, I have no complaints about that time frame.
0: As a kid, so one of the things I've been intrigued about what you've done over your career uh, is you're, you're kind of a brainiac. I mean, um, I don't know what your education is, but as a kid, were you were you studious? Were yes. you? Oh, you were studious. Oh, okay. very
1: much so. Yeah. So um, essentially, my the record of my education ends at about sixth grade. So when the homeschooling thing started. I just kind of plowed through it yeah. as fast as I could go. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to school because of the freedoms I discovered because I could go at my own pace. Right. So uh, my son is very much that way. I see him wanting to go faster than the curriculum is allowing him. And he just wants to move through it. Um, and, and so there's, there's this sort of fine line, but I, I finished my education by the time I was 15. So I just, Plowed through, and then I skied, and I got a full time job by the time I was twelve and thirteen.
0: And so this trip, this trip, I mean, that had to be because that was about around that time frame, maybe mm-hmm. twelve, thirteen, fourteen yep. years old. That had to be, play a big part into. I mean, I'm sure you were reading, you know, uh, the history of America, and you, and you went to Gettysburg or wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything was coming alive. Do you learn well that way? So, uh, I, I. It's funny as we're sitting here talking. I can't listen to people. Gotcha. I
1: really can't. I. I I'm like. I just. Just give me the info or tell me where I can yeah. get it so I can just plow through. Because I read really, really fast and my retention's high because of that. I, just, I like to speed through things. So to have to have a timeline, I'm no good with. Okay. And as an example, so before my 16th birthday, I enrolled at UVSC. And uh, so, which is now UVU.
0: Okay. That's down in Orem.
1: Yeah. And so they have one here in Heber Heber, and they had a satellite in Park City. So I was doing classes here in Heber and in Park City from the time I was 15 to 18. Okay. And just running through college courses and it ruined me. I just couldn't sit there. It was so hard because, and I would go through the textbooks way ahead. I could have them read and done within the first, say, three weeks of a semester. And then I would just sit there. Hmm. Sit there and test.
0: Get nothing out of the classes no. because you can't, you don't learn that way from, from lectures.
1: No, okay. And and that was the hard part for me. Is the first semester, it was like I just went through all the information, and then they had all these tests, and the tests are on what the guy's saying, but not what's in the book. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a little more challenging, you know, because I wasn't, it wasn't the same way as I was used to after years of just like hitting the books and just being able to plow through it.
0: Sure. So, so so your son now, I mean, doing the homeschool thing, Mm -hmm. which you didn't intend to do, and you're finding out that he learns in a similar way or Mm -hmm. excels in that way. What do you do? Do Right now? Don't know. Um, he's following the school
1: curriculum and they are posting the material for him. Right. So, so even throughout the day, I have so much space where I'm trying to figure out what to do with this kid. (laughs) And it's like, okay. I mean, it takes him two minutes to do an assignment that is an hour class. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, I guess we'll figure out something. i do the dishes again. I don't know. I don't know what
0: to do. Wow.
1: Yeah. So it's cool, but it's a struggle because yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not traveling to my work. I work at home. I have to do all that stuff still. You know, I'm sitting at the counter next to him, hammering out emails right. and taking phone calls while he's working on his iPad. So it's, it's different,
0: man. Yeah, but the fact that he's unlocked that, I don't know if he'll be able to go back either. I don't know. So that's, yeah, sorry, man. So yeah, you well, got some we'll things just, to figure out. We'll just see how it goes. So you guys moved from Houston. Was mm-hmm. there anything, because um, I've been through Houston. <laughs> I've spent a month there. Good for you. It's hot. It's humid. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's a, a corporate area. It is. Was there anything from growing up there, those first 13 or 14 years that um, had an impact on you, that you brought on? As you went on to to do business, not necessarily. Or were you just a kid playing around, goofing off?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I used to have this theory that whatever your first job is becomes your career. You know, okay. which I don't really think is true because we didn't really have much internet, and there's a lot of people working in the <laughs> east side. But um, you know, I, I mowed lawns then, and actually, I had a I, I still have a flyer of this somewhere. Was Perry Perry's mowing business that I did when I was like nine years old or 10 years old. And I flyered my neighborhood and I started cutting grass. I had like four or five people I cut grass for every week. Um, so my mom was a landscaper. So she, as a side business, she didn't really necessarily have to do it, but she loved it. Oh. So so at, when I was little, like little, little, you know, born, we, she would take us out on jobs. My, myself and my older sister is a few years older than me. And uh, we, she had like a Datsun steak bed truck and wow. just put both kids in the house awesome. and she would go do all it. this work, spread and mulch, planting stuff. So for me, it was um, early life that was horticulture, very early life wow. for me. Yeah.
0: D- let me ask you before I forget later on, does your mom play any part or any role in any of your companies today or, or in the last 10 years? In the last
1: 10 years, yeah. She, she passed away about four. Five years ago, okay, five years ago now. But yeah, she very much entrepreneur, wow. big time entrepreneur. She she had the first cell phone dealership in Park City, uh, did the first digital satellites up there, had a rental car company, had like uh, you know property management. She was doing all this stuff just herself you know, and, let's, let's just, stay.
0: let's just talk about your mom the rest uh-huh. of the show.
1: Yeah. She's fantastic. <laughs> so uh, she, she would be way more interesting to interview, <laughs> well, maybe because she, she isn't here in, in flesh would be really interesting. Yeah, that'd be a little but interesting if she was do. here, it would be pretty fantastic. So
0: uh, let me ask you this. When you guys came to, to your, your father was forced into retirement. Uh-huh. You do the big trip. You made to park mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your mom went on some different business ventures. Yeah. Was your, dad part of that? Was it a family thing? In the beginning.
1: Okay, so before he decided to go back to work and start uh, get back into the oil side, um, we had just some friends with some business ideas, and the first thing, and I want to say we were the first rental car company in Park City. And the first one, the first incarnation was called Mountain Car Rental. Uh, The guy um, who started it with my folks, they found all these old repurposed mail Jeeps, and they were painted red and no tops. They were two wheel drive and they bought like 10 of them. And that's what they rented here in, awesome. in like 93, 94. And, and it started to seem like this could be a lucrative thing. So my mom got like, she got into the Subarus and, and that was all she was renting was like Subaru Outbacks for years, that's you know, awesome. that was so, um, but it was only, it was never big, you know, 10, maybe 18 cars at the most. And, and but there wasn't anybody else up here.
0: Yeah. Like there was I, that's going to be enough. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so she ran that when when my dad started to work uh, back overseas when when he was gone she just kind of settled into doing that and um you know just kind of saw writing on the wall as it were yeah uh you know got into the sundials before they broke ground out there at the canyons and hmm. like uh, some of these other projects that were happening and um, really parlayed it into some cool stuff you know to to make a living after he left that she she was the you know main breadwinner for all of us so
0: so let happened. me ask you this you you said he left mm-hmm. he did come back well
1: no not really sorry i
0: want to make sure i get the picture clear yeah. did, so they, just,
1: did they split yeah they split okay. um uh before my 17th birthday was wow about, it, was, so it was sometime around 16 ish is when that started to, when when he just decided not to come back from europe wow so he's, he still lives over there he's there mm-hmm. today yeah um but that was I, I don't think i talked to him for like five or six years Just I didn't even know where where he was, like in the world. He was just, he was gone. Yeah, but we have a close, close relationship now. You do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took took a little bit. Maybe, maybe even having um, the the birth of my daughter really was kind of what started to
0: glue that back together. He he wanted to have her in his life, uh, some part. yeah, yeah, Yeah. So your mom sounds like a really strong woman.
1: Oh yeah. It was it was amazing. She 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 just worked and worked and made it made it all happen.
0: So do you, do you attribute your your entrepreneurial spirit to your mother then? For sure. Okay, because yeah. you saw that growing up, you saw her just being creative, staying on top of things, coming mm-hmm. up with ideas. And did you know at a young age that's what you wanted to do? I actually did. I
1: always said, always from as early as I was working. I want to have my own i want, I want something to be my own. I want to create something that 's my own. I want to build something that 's my own, and I want to make it bigger than the small pond i didn 't want to do something that was just local why i, I don 't know it was just some I, I always had this sort of franchise mentality mm-hmm. that um, you know cast a wider net right that was always what it was it was cast a wider net and and you can do really well locally. I mean, you know, running a business local, I, I had a great spray service in Reno that grew rapidly and, and it was great, but that was not my goal. That my goal was vision. more of those. Yeah. It was to model that and take it into bigger, bigger and better um, areas. And, and really, uh, you know, my, my work since I started early, like that kind of 13 range yeah. when I really started working, um, I, I worked at some ski shops at Park City for years and years. And you know when I started there, there was one store, and then there were two, and there were three, and so I kind of got to see this progression and be right in that sort of customer service side, yeah, and be just a major part of watching expansion and then how to manage customers like personally, you gotcha. know, in a different way. So, so a huge part of the way I do things and the community that I've got and the people I work with come from just that. That's just core like programming. Principles, from, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so. So that's been really cool um, to see how it all played out. But I just, I, and I wrote this down somewhere and I've said this to my friends as well. I said, I, I wanted to create a business that all my idiot friends could do. And, and I, I said it just like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And your friends were like, thanks, man. And they're like, that's a great idea.
1: Like <laughs> I gave you the opportunity, you missed it.
0: <laughs> but it evolved,
1: it yeah. evolved into what
0: it is today. So after you said you did some schooling mm-hmm. um, on UVU, Yep. which was something else uvsc or something said yeah, earlier yeah. um what happened after that did you do any more schooling did you get a bachelor's no. did you continue uh, or?
1: no i was i was just done because it I, didn't I,
0: seem like it was working or a good fit for you
1: i you know i was already to the point of okay i'm i'm working uh think i think i know what i want to do I, I i was actually working at the park city nursery for a oh, number awesome. of years in the this summer crew. So, yeah good great people. crew uh steve and ann was yep. with them and um that, that Again, I just kept kind of finding myself back in the horticulture side. And, and so there were a couple of core things that I really wanted, like uh, a good community type of workspace where you know, you've got fun and, and friends and whoever you can surround yourself to, to build a business, right? And then I did not want to be behind a desk ever. So me being outside is vitally important. Yeah. And I, I still am, I mean, that has never changed. That's why I don't live where I work. right? Because if I had to go into that place every day, I I don't even know what would happen. You know, it'd be terrible. <laughs> not only would I just ruin everyone's lives at work there. <laughs> they're like, oh, come back on into the... Um, but yeah, I just, I can't do it. It's, I'm oh. not wired that way. And that's part of like the schooling thing, yeah. right? Like I need to be able to move and learn and do it at my own pace. If I have to just sit there, it just, I just lose my mind. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's not like an ADHD thing. Sure. Or yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's, I just, it's the way the you are. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I I can relate. So what was the first company that you started? I mean, you said at the age of nine or 10, you had a little mowing business, but mm-hmm. when you got when it, around those ages, so coming into your twenties, um, did you have your first company up by, by 20 or where were you?
1: I was, let's see, I was uh, 22 Okay. when I had the first real one and it was a polymer injection company. Okay. Um, that was the first thing I did that was a real, real business. And so that kind of had some, Biological fertility attached to it, and it was basically working as like a drought control uh, technique for lawns gotcha um so that that was that was what i that's really is what started me down the road
0: Where was that It was here here, here in yeah, town in I park City here. yeah, okay, and mm-hmm. you just started that and what 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 did you do with it? Did you grow it? did you just kind of do it for a bit and get out of it?
1: Yeah, ended up doing it for a bit to get out and, and it was like it was really like maybe a two almost a three year business, but we were in the midst of a long drought at that point, and so people were really. Kind of Concerned. conscious about yeah, this, yeah. yeah, and and so it sold really well. Like I'll, I was up and down the Wasatch Front. I was in in Park City, and I did pretty well with it. But um, what I quickly realized is there was no residual. Gotcha. So that's that is the biggest key right there. Is is when you are jumping into a business and it's got no residual, or the residual is five years in the future. Yeah, it, it's probably not going to be the best thing, hmm. you know, yeah, because it works really well. But you are selling new customers. Every day. Every day, yeah. And and you don't get to see them again. So, you know, I really paid attention to that. So it got me into the tree fertility side, which is where I, and then got into the lawn so I could at least continue to have revenue on my existing customer base. Gotcha. And what I found was uh, doing the lawns the way I was doing them and and using more of a bio-based technique, we were already cutting water needs on the lawns by 20 or 30% anyway. So what do I need the polymers for?
0: Sure. So it just kind of went, you know, over the side. So that's a powerful lesson to learn at whatever, 22 years Mm -hmm. old. I mean, you know, this idea of reoccurring. Yeah. That's a
1: big deal. Well, if you, and that's, I think that for a lot of businesses, especially now, the databases that we can build and, and hold on to and all of this information that you can mail to, email to, contact to, all these different ways, you know, that is so much better to market to than to new people because they already know your story and they already know your service and they already know what you're doing. And if you can say, hey, guess what? We added this new uh, product or service, whatever it is. They're like, great. Your turn is... Huge, right. and, and you're just you're selling into your own base and just creating an even tighter and not circle, having higher to keep, profit every circle. time
0: you have a new product having to find new people mm-hmm. and do all' because there 's no marketing on that correct hey guys, you got a list right yeah. so what was do you remember the name of that company that- It was called a different
1: drop a it was probably diff- actually a uh, yeah it was i don 't even know where that came from, but it was a different uh, drop yeah yeah it was uh, it was all about water conservation
0: that's all we actually we might have to resurrect that,
1: yeah, you like We're, that
0: things aren't things are pretty dry,
1: they are pretty dry, you know, and, and that 's something we could talk about if you wanted to get into some science <laughs> geeky stuff we could we could go down that road a little bit but um, i I know from a plant health and a soil health perspective is if we are doing uh, proper nutrition to the turf that it will not require more water to stay green we 've got deeper roots that last longer, soil holds a lot of moisture, especially here. I mean, I think that a lot of people miss I don't know what the word is uh, they, they don't really understand what their soil is my soil is predominantly clay on my hillside sure you know yeah uh, and and it holds a ton of water right but you got to water into it right then once you do that you don't have to do that much I have never gone over my allotment not one time that's amazing
0: yeah and I don't have free water no like no down it's, here it's yeah it's expensive down here it's cheap yeah so they all overwater and everybody has weeds galore yeah so okay Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I could take that, but we got to stay here. Yeah, yeah. We can't get too stay long nerdy. I promise. So when you so when you got rid of a different drop, mm-hmm. what did you do then?
1: Okay. So the way that, that sort of so you, parlayed into this ahead. other side. So I, um, I was contacted, how did that go? I contacted a company out of Reno to get some fertigation tanks that I brought in here and put on some customers' lawns. And it turned out the guy that was dealing that also was doing polymer injection in Reno. And he was trying to get a little bit more into the fertility side too, and they were doing pretty well. Um, and he actually had me come out and sort of do some consulting, f- repair one of their machines, because mm. these things were not, uh, they, were, they would just fall apart. You know? yeah. So I had some sort of things that I'd done to mine to customize a little bit that held up. And uh, so I ended up out there and I, I, I talked to him about, hey, you know, my idea is to, to go more into the fertility side and, um, you know, do this thing. And my idea was this BioGreen, right? And uh, he's like, you know, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. Let's kind of talk over the winter. So, so we launched that together in May
0: of 2005. 2005 is when you launched BioGreen. Yeah. Which you took that thing pretty far. It, yeah. Tell us uh, how many branches did you end up putting together and- in- we
1: had, at the peak of it, I think we had around 86 wow. locations around the country. Uh, first year out licensing, I want to say we had 13. Okay, uh, So I had one right, not far from me, an hour and a half from me. I had my location in Reno, uh, another one functioning in Tahoe. And then there was one in Salt Lake. There was one in Minneapolis. There was one in Fort Myers, Florida, um, Denver. I mean, wow. we, we kind of, we had like the country covered in these segments. And um, it did... This was now during, you know, moving into the recession when that sure. started to, yeah. that was 2000, um, 2007, we started licensing. Okay. Was in 2007. Tell,
0: tell us a little bit about the model because mm-hmm. I know it was a little bit, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the way you structured the model with your local branch owners.
1: Sure. So, uh, I, like I mentioned earlier, like the franchise thing appealed to me. Yeah. What didn't appeal to me was having me in somebody's pocket forever. ever. Right. What, like, what do you mean? So, you know, a typical franchise thing, you're going to pay anywhere between like say 7 and 13% top line revenue no matter what. So, that's a lot. You know, as a small businessman and you're out there if you just had a company that was just pulling that yeah. no matter what, you know, all the time, it would get old. It would get old, right? Like and and you're trying to figure out especially in the beginning, what what am I really getting here? Now, some of these people who were say in the Scots franchise system and all that kind of stuff, they were able to build massive companies off of A huge brand. Right. Different story. Sure. We're starting from scratch doing different stuff. So I I never felt comfortable with it. So my whole concept was we'll license the name, we'll license everything about it. We did license agreements. But since I was making the product, the way that you maintain that license was you hit minimum purchase agreements. Because I'm selling the FERT anyway. Right. Right. So so they're just buying it from me and they maintain these things over X amount of years and they go into a perpetual agreement. They're just biogreens forever.
0: And and the license that they're paying was that forever or was it like an upfront one time cost?
1: It didn't cost. There Even was actually cost. no cost. So the so cost was just it committing was to buy the product from yeah. you. Yeah. So we would come in and say, here's how you're going to start. You, you've got like two totes, you've got this. And at first I built it all out. Like, you know, if you come in with like 75 grand, here's a truck, here's a wrap and all that. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea. Anybody hmm. can get a truck. Anybody can use a local printer. Anybody can do this. So why? what am I doing? I'm not in the car dealership business. I'm not in the equipment dealership business. All I want to do is make and sell fertilizer. Mm. So that was it. Like that was the whole concept is, is, I, I make the stuff, I ship the stuff, they put the stuff on the ground, customers are happy, customers pay them, I get paid like that was really yeah how how much, how much thought do you really need to put into that?
0: Yeah, but that's a very interesting model. yeah it's not that common. I mean maybe there's in other industries I'm not that familiar with it, so I think it's interesting. It's in most
1: uh, like the franchise world, there are there, the, the franchisor may they they've got deals with all sorts of supply lines, sure. right? And so they, they're constantly, you know, kind of shoving it down your throat. Like, here's what you're buying. Here's right. how you buy it. And that works for a time. And I, and I did see that change in in the big, uh, like the True Green franchises to begin with, and then uh, the Scotts franchises, some of these other ones. They can't police that, right? So if you had a $10 million lawn care company and you're still giving a 10 or 12% premium to a vendor because you're supposed to buy from them, right? and you know that you're giving money away, you stop doing it.
0: Yeah, Like that's sure. really all there is yeah. to it.
1: And then, you know, a franchisor is kind of held, they're, they're sort of like handcuffed because they're sitting here thinking, well, they're doing $10 million. We're making 10 or 11% on that. We can't tell them to stop that right. because they, now everybody's in breach and now we're out a million dollars a year on this guy's hard work. Right, mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it started to devolve in the whole overall franchise system.
0: So you get to about eighty, eighty six. Mm-hmm. Did you call them franchises? No, licensees. Licensees. Okay. Yeah. okay. Throughout the U.S., um, what was your takeaway? Did you at the end of it after a few? Because it's some of the, they still exist. I'm oh right, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So like they them. still exist. Yeah. What is your? Have you made changes to that model, or have you just been like that? It's still kind of the same thing, and you're happy. Or would you make changes, if you built another?
1: I don't really. Offer it, I suppose, anymore. Gotcha.
0: So, and I guess this leads into chapter three, right? Like,
1: here, here's how it changed. So, uh, we have these guys around. We have these locked in license agreements. We have areas so that, you know, people can't uh, compete, right? So, we're having all these kind of geographical locations that are blocked off. It's based on zip codes. It's this. There's all these factors that went into it. Sure. And I was repeatedly getting questioned by these larger companies like, hey, I'd like to get your stuff. Uh, great. You know, you just have to be a licensee. I'm like, well, we don't want to do that. It's like, we just want to buy your stuff. Like, well, I don't really know how we can do that because this is the model. Yeah. Right? This, this is how you way. get it. So, so that's, that's when we kind of went a little divergent and said, okay, how, how can we capitalize on these people? Cause you know, they don't want a brand. And all we had on the other side was the brand, right? Like it was the BioGreen brand. That right. was the important part. So, you know, we created a uh, green County fertilizer company. So that was in uh, 2014 when that happened so 2014 we did that to have a private label company mm. so we were dealing with larger companies who wanted their own label their own brand their own stuff and that was on their fertilizer and
0: so essentially that. like a white label you could pretty much. you could create your products and James's yep. lawn care could put James's lawn care logos yep. and things on it as long as they hit that.
1: It, it had to be a certain volume because sure. to be worth our while right. you know so we had to set it up that way so they and most of these companies were pretty big and they are like yeah this sounds great well, that got really interesting um, because now you know the people know what well, this product's out there, and so we started getting more contact. But it became different because people wanted the pieces and not the whole pie. So it was like components. We're like, well, we see you have all this stuff in here. Can you just sell us those pieces or whatever? Gotcha. So I ended up splitting, which I just still don't fully understand. But it changed. Everything because I split out. I said, fine, you know, we'll offer humic acid as it stands alone. We'll offer a sea kelp as it stands alone. We'll, we'll do a combo. We do this and we do all of these different things. And it just went nuts. Yeah.
0: Went ham. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't even It was like, okay, well, here we are now. So you've got um, your bio greens, mm-hmm. are, you know, they're over here. Yep. Now you've got this whole other stream where yeah. it's larger companies saying, I want your product, white yes. label, or I'll buy it from you. Right. That sounds, um, it sounds exciting. It, was. it sounds really exciting, actually. It sounds kind of like a dream and stressful. Yeah. But where do you, I mean, how do you, how do you sort through that? Because was it getting in balance? Were your BioGreen guys going, hey, wait a minute, these guys are over here able to just walk up and buy it? Or did that not, not really. Not really. So,
1: so the way that it worked, it was, it was a little different. So we had um, certain key whole products that were on the BioGreen line, right? And uh, what we immediately did is when we split everything out, we're like, you can, whatever you want, you know, you can pull from either line. So we did, we did, we made it available to everybody, but for a lot of these bigger companies, they weren't going a hundred percent into a liquid fertility program. They wanted one item. It sure. might make up 10 or 11%. So it didn't change their business model. They weren't going off the brand. They're just like, no, we need a good humic acid supplier. And the stuff that we get around here costs three times what you're selling it for. So we just want to be able to get it from you. And it didn't, the, even if there was competition i mean we might have in certain areas in florida for instance we could have 30 or 40 companies using our stuff and nobody knows yeah. nobody knows the difference right right cuz they're not out there marketing like this is Makes this sense. is you yeah. know the brand they're just using components in sure. what they think is their best program
0: so green county fert mm-hmm. um, you've got a warehouse you might have a oh, you, yeah. do you have a couple uh, yeah we have one,
1: one we have one in uh, greensboro georgia and one in orlando
0: Okay. Greensboro, Georgia was the first and that's yeah. the original?
1: No, actually. oh, We were in Nebraska prior to that.
0: Wow. Central, middle of the company? Yeah,
1: middle of the country. Mm. And so my my plant manager was from Nebraska. That's where I picked him up to stay there. As soon as we outgrew that place, I'm like, we got to move south. Yeah. And so him and his family moved.
0: And your, from what I understand, your Georgia factory, I mean, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's 30,000 square feet under roof.
1: And you're and producing
0: a lot of product. A lot of product. How many gallons of, of humic acid? I mean, a day or a week? I mean, well, or how do you quantify yeah, it? It's, it's I'm just trying tough. to get, I'm trying to paint a picture for those listening, like get an idea of how, what the size of the volume. We
1: was. have about, um, a hundred, about 120,000 gallons of storage for just humic and we can't get it full. can't get it. Wow. we just, we sell it too fast. Okay. So uh, I, we are, I don't, I don't know as far as size and scale c- to compare it to anybody else, but um, we, we, we go through a lot, like a lot, a lot. Wow. Yeah. So right now, I think we're actually close to filling the tanks as we come into the wintertime. But uh, we, we managed to fill about 65,000 gallons coming into the early spring. Yeah. And uh, we were wondering if we were going to be able to produce enough by, you know, April 15th.
0: D- did you have any idea how to how to do manufacturing? I mean, it's just uh, when I think of it, it seems overwhelming. Oh, it's big. It's, well, uh, yeah, you dabbled a little, a little. Yeah, but, yeah you've done but on some this, stuff, but on this scale, I mean, yeah. I just go Wah. right. It, uh, huh. w- w- what was the secret? I mean, did you find the right people? How did how yes. did, you, how did yes. you build this thing?
1: So uh, the, you the know, real
0: estate part, the, all of it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a fun story too. Uh, first. I'm more of a creative mind, right? We kind of established this. Yeah. That's kind of straight and, and like making things work in a line doesn't really work for me well. Everyone that works for me are those people. They are detail-oriented they will make sure it's done exactly right, gotcha. and it's flawless.
0: You're the why guy; they're the how people. Oh man, gotcha.
1: Yeah, I would be just absolutely screwed. <laughs>
0: so it's a good thing you don't actually run all these. Oh, it's
1: terrible. They used to dread when I would come to Georgia, like, oh no, he's going to come down here and change everything again, and, and I'd be like, well, let's do this, this, and then you know, I come back a year later, I'm like, this looks great, and they're like, yeah, we didn't change anything. Um, <laughs> so you know, there's there's kind of a fun give and take there, but they are uh, the whole team just fulfills like you wouldn't believe, wow. like just clockwork. And uh, I don't, I don't like to pop in there very often because I don't want to screw it up. Yeah, yeah. Now at this point, so you know, development's been more fun for me. You know, really diving into the soil science side, understanding the plant stuff, and, and really seeing what's missing in the marketplace to get it, get it out there, and sure, to develop. It's been more my side.
0: So. Well, before we ask this question, then there's oncology, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, you have service companies now again. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. I'm out. You're out of service co- <laughs> I'm not doing, I, I can't. Never again, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe.
1: I mean, if there was a huge opportunity and it was like, hey, you know, there's nobody
0: here in, I don't know, Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. Maybe you'd want to fund somebody in. Maybe. I don't know. Sure. But, but I don't know. Tell us about, one of the things I thought was interesting is, and yeah. I don't know if you did this intentionally, but you you actually like pave this perfect path for someone to go like, for example, you know, you get the service companies mm-hmm. and then you start the franchisings or the licensees. Yep. And then you go, well, we need product to sell. So then you have a manufacturer and then it turns into a teacher. You, you build oncology and you're teaching people and you're doing videos and you're training. Um, did you intentionally set that path out 15, 20 years ago? Cause that, that would be the path that most people would draw out. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Um, education
1: first as far as the, the model of the business has been education first. So we give freely of, of whether it's yeah, I love that product or or it's what, it doesn't really matter. Business advice. I mean, you know, when I had a rule that if you wanted to work for me, you had to run a spray service. So just so you could talk, yeah you know, and, and have a conversation with a guy who's like, I'm out there doing this like, oh, well, here's the equipment that we ran. If you need to get a hold of this. So, so the industry connections became really big because we all, were on the ground, boots on the ground guys. And that made, I think, a really huge difference because you can speak about it with with knowledge and confidence of like, I know what you're going through right now. Sure. Yeah. Um, and we all have stories of hoses and pumps exploding and things oh, yeah. like, you know, like there's always, you know, there's a level of relatedness there that not everybody can can do. Yeah, So um, for me, I, I have been sort of like a behind the scenes speaker for a long time, hmm. not out, in, in big public, but like I'd get called in to say, hey, can you do this in PowerPoint or do CEUs and stuff like that. So before I was doing videos, before I was doing any of this stuff, I was, I was doing kind of a lot of speaking at like shows and, and, and it's, it's always been there. <laughs> so the push into the educational side with oncology was a forced thing. Now I started that whole idea because I wanted to write a book and I started writing my book and then I started blogging Instead, to help me have inspiration for my book. Gotcha. So the blog came first, and that's old now. I mean, five or six, seven years old, or something like that. Is when I first started. Ancient. It It is in digital. In in terms of digital digital world, world. it's like, what did you write this (laughs) on? Like a word processor. (laughs) Um, So that it was the transition from that to video was more of a forced hand, actually. By the team, or well, kind of. Uh, Brad, my my a main operations guy, right-hand man. He's down there doing all the work all the time. He uh, He's like, you need to be doing video. And he would just say it to me like that. Do it. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I said, I don't want to do it. Do it. You need to start. He he said this to me for a decade. I'm like, oh, stupid. Nobody's going to go to that. <laughs> and uh, what ended up happening is is the, the DIY push from our uh, next line made me do it. Because- people were had, asking questions right you had and, to
0: create the content to fulfill right. it yeah
1: so you know we had people who were out there some real influencers you know who were talking about stuff because they liked it and they used it and uh, people are bombarding my office with phone calls and I'm like I got to start doing videos now wow. just so people could you know get their questions answered and and that was what the content was built on was like emails and you know messages on Instagram or whatever whatever it might be is like okay we'll make a video about that
0: So, so so how, so that's why you started this idea and that's how you got into the, the side Mm -hmm. because this, at this point now, before you had companies coming to you and buying your product Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're versed enough to have a quick discussion, but now homeowners and people who don't know anything, these are, you're getting some crazy questions. Oh yeah. So with lawn tell us about what it is. Like what's the model? What do you do? How does it work? So my whole concept behind
1: that was to truly incorporate soil and plant. Okay. Soil and plant. Because it always seems like there is a, an argument between the two. Like the, the two sides never seem to reconcile each other. You go to turf school, you learn about turf. You take like three credit hours of soil, you know, and, and you don't really learn any of that stuff. You don't understand what, what exactly needs to happen to interface this way or that way. Now, some guys go a little bit deeper into that. But if you take a soil science route and you go this direction, you don't really get as much into the plant thing. So, right. so there's this big widespread of what is correct right so my my whole idea was we need to get both working seamlessly together and and take here's here's this approach and here's this approach well why why do they have to be so separate why can't we have these things be a combination so i started really more trying to connect everything so people could understand hey when you fertilize Here's what's actually happening. It's not that like you're just like feeding the plant. Look, look at this breakdown that happens all through the soil before you even get it into the plant, right? right. And so this soil system has to build up and be be alive and healthy and you know eh, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: you yeah. stopped yourself, right? going to I, uh,
1: I, I might have blacked so, out there for a second.
0: So that's okay. So, do, do you? Is there revenue involved with oncology, or is it more just educate? Is there anything on that side?
1: So, uh, well, the YouTube channel does okay. You know, that's, that's something that it does. But um, we do an annual show that's oncology, And so that's professionals. That's just for professionals. And they come down and we cover off all this stuff. And now Green County, my company, is the title sponsor for that. But we have other sponsors there as well to put on this show. And so last year, or this year, pre-COVID, barely. Actually, we still think about 30% of the people had it. Uh, we had one hundred and yeah, 150, 160 people attend that for a multi-day seminar wow. classes. And, and we did actually give CEUs as part of that because we have multi-state registration for that. Um, and where they, was that held? Was it- that was in Georgia, Georgia. Athens. Okay. That was in Athens. was it uh, business owners? Yeah. Okay. That was all business owners. So uh, typically what we've seen over, I think that was our fifth one that we've done now, fifth year. Wow. And um, about maybe 10% of the attendees don't do business with us. They come there, they learn about it, yep, and then they become customers. So we have the opportunity to talk to them, you know. Aside from it, but the the intent of that is not to sell product; it's just to educate, and it's yeah. marketing. We do a lot on marketing. We do a lot on the soil stuff. We do a lot on you know chemical interactions. And stuff. I mean, you name it. We have weed yeah. control presentations. We do we do the whole thing.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it, yeah, I've seen some stuff I've seen, and I love that's actually I think that's actually how we met. Is you were one of the first people I ever heard about that was doing something that I actually was starting to starting to come into which was mm-hmm. more you know bringing the bios the organics the compost things like that into lawn care yes because 10 years ago that wasn't there was only a handful hey
1: man 20 years ago
0: it was yeah. witchcraft yeah exactly yeah. so so that's what i really appreciate what you've built yeah um so does your day-to-day look like now because you've got all these projects i also know i mean I, anytime i go on youtube you're with either a lawn care influencer you're being interviewed there's a lot
1: mm-hmm.
0: what do you do uh,
1: i don't even know man it's just, it's just, uh,
0: is there a schedule like for the week or uh, not really? So, <laughs> so the whole, the whole, uh, there used to be before COVID but around March
1: 21st that all changed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, pre COVID, there was a routine. Now it's, I'm still struggling to get there. So I still wake up really super early, um, so that I can like start on stuff. One thing that I, I am doing that's not really, it's still kind of getting out there is I do custom soil report and like, Fertility recommendations for people, so I offer that through my lawn website, and it's cheap. And I get a soil report from them, and I give them like two years of what they need to do That's in order awesome. to have like an epic lawn. And it's dirt cheap, but I go, I film that, I set it out in front of me, I send them a YouTube link. It's all unlisted, and so I do that sometimes really early in the morning, because yeah. I have to do it. Was quiet, and I have to right. knock these things out, and they're maybe between five and seven minutes long, so they're not huge, but it's a it's a lot of information to cover off for somebody, so. I try to get up early to work the East Coast stuff. Then it's like, kids are up, get them on Zoom calls. And then I have recurring ones I have to do as well. So I have those go on. But for the most part, it's just like answer emails throughout the day. I have more people trained to text me than to call me. So my phone doesn't ring a lot, which is nice. So I get, but I am being communicated with uh, on a regular basis through Facebook Messenger, through my regular phone messaging, through YouTube channels, through Instagram channels, uh, email. I mean, it's digital, just bang, 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 bang all the time. So uh, I've really been trying not to add anything else to it. Right. But as you grow, you know, it, it just piles on. Yeah. And I don't know where the breakover point in that is to where I'm like, I, somebody else can answer this pretend to be me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's when you can't take it. You're yeah, sanity. Is you, it. Yeah. So what keeps you, what are you excited about now? I mean, how, how long, uh, I'm not very good at math. Let's see, I'm trying to think how long you started. What's it been, 15 or 16 years? Yeah, 2003, so, really. 2002, okay. 2003 is when I really started the journey. So uh, I'm asking because, you know, we, like me personally, I have a long company. I'm kind of tired of grass. I'm uh-huh, more yeah. excited about business and sure. giving that service and, and, and finding new things and creat- creativity. What's lighting you up these days on keeping you interested? Mm.
1: Well, I... I constantly on the development side. So I have new things. that will pretty much come out like every year, every two. I have a couple of really fun things coming up, but I, it's interesting to, I guess the evolution is interesting and and maybe you'll be able to relate to this as well. So I, I do have fun making videos. Yeah, I think it's pretty fun. And and I've really uh, enjoyed learning the craft more uh, and, and kind of getting deeper into the editing game and sure. visual storytelling. That's cool. And and I can see it kind of transitioning a little more vloggy coming up, which I, I actually really enjoy. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I The business is at a point where I now, and I, I tell my team, I'm like, I don't even, I'm just a figurehead at this point. I mean, I'm just talking about it. Yeah. Because I'm not down there in the day to day, you know, obviously I'm involved in the decisions, but sure. it's not, it's different. So, even for you, you know, you come up, you you have these other exciting things. You have this opportunity. Like if you have the right people in place, your business can just go run. Right. And you can dedicate the time to it, to work, to work on it. Yep. Not be out there spraying. Absolutely. Not be repairing stuff. That's more where I am now. So I've got this thing running and it's awesome. It's doing very well. And then I kind of get to pick and choose some of this other stuff. But Music is still really huge for me. Yes. We didn't even touch music. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's a big deal. Um, You know, uh, the creative aspect for me is is really what I truly am.
0: Let me ask you this real quick. So, when you're, when you're, uh, because you're a songwriter, Mm -hmm. when you're, what is your favorite, uh, when you're like, when you're creating, Mm -hmm. How do you do it? Like, are you, do you have to set aside time to create or are you more just? It's you, all inspirational. Okay. So you might just be work, walking, hiking, and oh, I got an yes. idea. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pull so out the phone and sing into it.
1: That's, I would do that. And sometimes it would just be like, oh, I like this line. You yeah. Know, like, oh, that was kind of cool. Like, that's a sort of an ironic, I'm going to just type that down. And then hmm. I get back home and be like, how does that go? You know, and just kind of find that melody and like, oh, what can you do with this? And then yeah. I just build it off that. And sometimes it's just, straight in the moment you're picking on your guitar and in 12 minutes you have a full song done, That's you know, awesome. lyrics yeah. and everything It's like, Oh man. You know, and, and it's just gotten so much easier than it used to be. I mean, I have notebooks and files from when I was younger and my teens writing songs. I have a box full of songs. I look at that crap all of it i mean there's just another you know i can relate yeah you know you write a thousand <laughs> songs and 2000 of them suck that's really that's really how yeah. it goes
0: so yeah and you're playing in a band mhm i mean yep. not, not playing right now cuz of covid but what's the name of the band silver strike silver strike
1: yeah awesome yeah we have a lot of fun it's fun and it has it definitely has had its challenges because you know we went from like oh, this is going uh, and yeah. then well
0: now what so what has been some of the hardest times i mean building businesses and well, life in general is just not easy to get through it. Take no. away the business <laughs> no. and, and adding business. I mean, you have to manage so much stress and people and pieces moving. Has there been a time where you're just like, I I'm done. I hate this, you know? Oh yeah. Usually around every, you know, I don't know, October. <laughs> it's about the time I'm done with it <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, it, when, when I was spraying lawns, it was every July. I'm like, I'm done with this. Yeah, so it's so like, hot. Yeah. In July. You're like, I don't yeah. want to ever do this again. And by the time September rolls around, no, um, have you ever had a long, cold winter?
0: Yes, I'm from New Jersey.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Have you ever had winter. one in your business? Yeah. A long, cold winter? Yeah, we had one that lasted like eight years. You know, it was like trying and struggling and growing and putting everything back into the company to let it go and go. And it was like, you know, how do we make it? How do, what's the next step? How much more, you know, just invest in, yeah. back in, back in, find the right people, grow the thing. And, and it wasn't easy. It was never easy. And and to say that it's easy now, I think would be a stretch because it's a different set of challenges. Right, right, yeah. Uh, So, you know, it was dark from like 2009 to maybe 2014. Wow. It was dark, it was hard. And we were growing huge percentages. Yeah. And that was hard because in the beginning, there were only three of us. Yeah. So when I bought my plant in Georgia, that was in 2013, they were- it was just us and none of us lived there. So we rotated through that place in this massive building, in this in our 3,000 square foot office, 30,000 square feet of production space. And we had to go two weeks at a time. So like one of us would go down there and we would just man that place and we would get wow. the product and move it out the door and do stuff. And then the next person would come in and overlap for a few days to make sure we caught up. You know, So everybody knew yeah. what's going on. And then we'd rotate again and we'd rotate again. And uh, it, we did that for the first... Uh, seven months or so down there, and then started. to We started to staff in like 2014, and wow, and build it up. So,
0: yeah. And the whole time, you're just putting money back into the company. That's all we could do,
1: and you're working, and you're exhausted, mm-hmm. and just yep. yeah, yeah. But we did everything. We built every piece of equipment. That's all. Wow. I mean, we we did we did it all. Like, yeah. no, we're not spending money on that. Learn how to wire it. You know, like right. that's that's what we're gonna do. So. Uh, I mean, every bit of uh, remodeling that was done in there. I mean, wh- you name it. It was we That's we awesome. did it all from just bootstraps because there there wasn't money in it yet. it, yeah. was, it needed to go towards other things.
0: When some of these things you're building, and let's well, maybe oncology, maybe it's an example, maybe it's not. But sometimes um, when you're building content and building things for the future, mm-hmm. they don't directly pay off. No, and so you're and they're expensive, right? Yes. You've got film teams. You're doing all this. Um, sometimes it's easy. You, you almost want to give up. You, you can, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're like, I'm spending money. There's no money coming in. Yep. Um, I, you know, I'm doing this. I'm putting all my time into it. People see you working, but you, no, they don't see the result. Did you ever right. experience that? All and, the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was really, there was, there was a time, uh, I would say from, when I sold my spray service in Reno, which was in 2009, uh, the year my daughter was born, I moved from Reno down uh, to Santa Cruz, California. And that, was, I mean, we're talking peak recession time, yeah. right? And so everyone was working remotely. I had a the small facility in Nebraska where I had Chad. He was he was doing everything there. I would try to get out there whenever I could, which might only be a week, maybe three days a year. At first, it was like just to shoot out there and be like, uh. um, and then I had uh, Brad down in Florida. He was working out, out of Florida. So we were just constantly in like- it's all telecommunication and how do we sell and, and then bring in other people. So we had a couple guys who would start to like rep the stuff and, and especially in the state of Florida. So in the beginning, all of my money, all of my advertising, whatever I could do, focused on the Southern states gotcha. hard, really hard. I needed year round revenue. right? So I, I went there and I'm still really strong in Florida and I'm, I'm part of a ton of organizations down there. And that was like, I mean, I was spending even last year, uh, I don't know. 16 weeks in Florida, wow. like still going back and forth, just because I'm part of all these organizations and stuff. So, um, that one's really grown and continues to grow, which is why we have a, a, an office and a warehouse in Orlando as well. But it was so challenging because, it, you know, sometimes it's, you know, how do, how do we get on an airplane right now? How are we going to do that? You know, is right. there somebody who could lend us 400 bucks to go somewhere? Yeah. That was, I mean, that's how it was back then, yeah. you know, like in the beginning. So, um, uh, it's it's interesting now because people have a major uh, difference in, in the perspective of like my life, of what I look like now. Sure. And thinking that this is just always how it has yeah, been, it's right? it's
0: been simple because you, you came from oil money and you lived in Park City.
1: Yeah, right. And, and none <laughs> of that was even very true. I mean, like, you know, the way that we ended up there was the, our house in Texas sold for the exact same amount as what we bought for. Right. Wow. So, wow. so it was a transit it was not expensive back yeah, then. Yeah, not like today. And, uh, you know, I think my dad lost almost all of his retirement money. He was like, hey, you need some. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't there. Wow. We didn't, we really didn't have anything like that. So uh, I didn't have a funding source behind
0: my business. Yeah. I never had any, any like benefit that even way. To this day, have you not taken outside funding? Like so we did
1: at one point. Um, and I, I suppose I could drop a name on this because I don't even know if they're in business. On Deck Capital. On Deck okay. Capital, when they first came out, they were doing kind of like, Really sharky loans. They
0: do they do bridge
1: loans. Yes. Short short term. term. Yeah, with high interest. Okay. Yeah. By the time you get through it, you were like, Oh, I just paid like seventy two percent on that. You know, like but they would factor it off receivables, they do like weekly draws, and when you're growing, that was one way to be like, Yeah, we can fund you fifty six thousand dollars, so here's what it is, and we're gonna pull out three hundred and eighty dollars a week. Gotcha. So that's how they would do it. So we did that once or twice, probably in oh eight, oh nine. Wow. I think that was about it on that side and then um we we've functioned off of cash flow for
0: that's amazing like ever that's yeah. amazing
1: yeah when uh, there was actually we did at one point we offered up uh, some shares in the C Corp if people wanted to buy in for a little bit so we were able to raise a little bit of money back then okay. and have a few shareholders so like my sisters are involved and you know my dad's involved and my stepmom and so i have you know some family that are close by that are that's gotcha. pieces of it now and so that that helped you know
0: what what piece of advice or a couple pieces would you give to another entrepreneur who's got an idea, maybe wanting to start something, but maybe maybe afraid or maybe just unsure? what you've learned so much over the years.
1: I'd say plan on falling on your face. Plan on it. Put on a helmet. That, that's what I would tell everybody, <laughs> is put on a helmet. I, I think that I, I think that there's really there's two different kinds of people who start businesses. Okay. Um there's people who are creative, have a great idea and have no execution. And then there's people who are just buying a job like that. That's really what it is. So, uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they work for say a framer or somebody and they're like, well, I could just do this, you know, and, and they end up going and starting their own company, but it, it never moves beyond their craft, right? Cause they don't know how to go into making it a business. They just bought themselves a job. With a lot more stress. Wow. So, uh, you know, there was a saying. Maybe it was on a T-shirt or something. It was like an entrepreneur is a person who will trade in a forty-hour work week to go work for themselves for a hundred hours a week.
0: Yeah. So right.
1: Like sounds you know, accurate. It's it's and it's true because I don't think a lot of people
0: know, but there's there's not freedom in it. For a long time, which is which is the selling point for most. Yes. Most people say, "Oh, I want freedom," and, I, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, why, why are you doing this then?" Yeah, you'll you get it <laughs> eventually, but there's no <laughs> yeah. days off.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no days off in entrepreneurship. There is. There's rarely any nights off. You know, people people lose sleep all the time. And you know, when you're when you go to bed, thinking, like, "How am I going to pay this bill? This is coming due." How does you, and you just crank through. Your mind doesn't get to rest. So I, I don't think it's for everybody, but right. I do encourage people to do it. Like this is where you're going to learn, right? And um, you got to plan on failing. Yeah, you do. You need to set this goal that's like big and out there that you know you want, and you need to plan on failing. And if you can trip and get back up, you learn so much more along those falls than you do if you just get there immediately. It's that whole lottery winner winner thing. You know, they you end up with a hundred million dollars one day, but you never learned how to. Manage it, it's gone. Yeah, you're going to waste it. Right? So, so it's the same thing in business. I feel like you have to get bloody. I feel like you okay. have to fall down. I feel like you have to be broke. I feel like you have to go through the hard times. I feel like you have to negotiate for everything to get through it. Like, I, I got to go to a bank. I got none, none yeah. of this. And you're like, this is a, how do I make this happen? So, um, And if you're a person who doesn't execute well, you need to find somebody who does. Give them the idea and work with them. I think that's the other big piece, you know? It's it's wonderful to have an idea but if you can't execute then what's it worth? What's it worth? Yeah. Nothing.
0: Zero. Do you have and you don't have to go into detail or name them but do you have some exciting things moving forward that we haven't talked about? Oh, I do. Yeah. I figured.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some stuff in patent right now that I'm working on. I'm I'm not talking about it yet.
0: Cool. Same space? Or you don't same even space. you don't have to answer. Okay. Yeah, same space, but a different yeah. Okay.
1: Same space but different.
0: So uh, what do you see as the future of where the industry is going, the long care industry? Because I've been watching it. I'm a student of it. Mm-hmm. You've been watching it longer. Yeah. So um, I, I've
1: up until this point, I feel like I've been a pretty good predictor of how things were going to look for the season. In fact, coming into 2020, I, I was pretty certain on how things were going to go. And and I can I can just adjust it a little bit. And and we could talk about the COVID side of things because. Uh, everybody got scared in the spring. Everybody got scared in the spring. And when we did, we're like, I don't know, what, what's, what does this mean for us? Is lawn care going to stop, right? So how do we plan for that? That wasn't the case. you know. So maybe there was a little hiccup that happened, but the industry still grew, and it grew really well this year. Yes, it did. Which was what we speculated on at the beginning of 2020 and I'm I'm actually, I think I'm in an an article in landscape management talking about it last year. Like here's what I think is gonna happen. I think that we see a surge again because so, and and it's funny, but it was because the employment rate was so high, nobody had time to do it anymore. So the service side was gonna grow. There was just no choice but for it to grow. And then all of a sudden there's more people unemployed. Well, from a weird flip side, a lot of the people that became unemployed weren't people buying lawn care anyway. They weren't the service people. There are more hospitality workers and things like that, which is terrible. I'm not minimizing that by any means. Sure. But it, it didn't affect the people who were buying lawn care. What happened this year, which I think was pretty cool, and I don't know how it's going to play out, but it was pretty cool. Uh, my buddy, Kendall Hines, he, he has a company called LawnBot. You know, Kendall? I was on a show uh, a couple weeks ago, and I know you're coming up. Yep, yep. So he uh, you know, he had this great idea, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah. Contactless sales. Yep. Right? I'm not necessarily a fan of contactless sales. I like meeting people. Sure. I mean like if we had to do this from Zoom, it would be way less interesting. Yeah. Be like, eh. Yeah, I don't even like watching Zoom interviews no, that much. It's terrible. So I, I that piece is going to expand big time. Contactless sales, AI, that's going to be big. Um I hope it doesn't I hope people don't get complacent with that and they still do actually have interfacing with customers because sure. I think that people I mean, I still remember the names of so many of my customers. Yeah, they would just love to come out and chat. Yep, you know, and you just like, oh, I'm so excited to go see Mrs. Smith. She's gonna cause, you. she always got lemonade or you know whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, we, you do. Yeah, so so I hope we don't lose that in in this industry, um, but I don't still I don't see it going anywhere but up. Still, uh, I've watched the percentage of lawn care change from like say uh, maybe seven. Uh, well, one out of seven homes take it to like two out of seven to up to three and five. In my time, I mean that's significant, you know. So yeah. we're seeing this this huge influx of people who are like, I don't even know how to take care of that stuff. So just call the guy. Yeah, which is good if businesses are ready for it. Right, right. That's the other part. Yeah. So I I see it still growing.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think I uh, think and I love all the AI. Yeah, Kendall, his work is great um, yeah, I'm doing some bot projects myself. And I think, but I think you're right. The key is we have to make sure we have, if we have these bots that are helping us out so much, we better have even better customer service in my opinion. Absolutely. We better give the, we better give experiences for the customer that we've never been able to give. So here's something interesting
1: too. and, And this is, this is just strictly service side. Like the service industry right now is booming. I don't know why, because we couldn't get, I don't know, a cleaning service or a window washer or, or anybody to come to that. For a little while, and people kind of freaked out. Like, I have to do all this stuff. Well, now, if you call to try to get one of those, they'd be like, well, we're seven weeks out. Yeah. And you know what you say?
0: Okay. There's no rush. Yeah. Like,
1: I need it. I'm not going to go <laughs> shop for it. It's like, yeah, okay. Right. Great. Can you put me on the schedule? Yeah, no problem. And so, as a business owner, like for me, there is a tyranny of the urgent. Like, if somebody calls and say, hey, I want your service, I'd be like, I got to figure out how I can be there tomorrow yeah. or today, right? Like that was yeah. my whole pledge. Exactly. We still do that in my plant. If an order comes in before noon, it's on a truck that day. We wow. don't, we have no delay time. It's like, get it out the door. If it, if it is at 1201, we'll try to get it on that day. But yeah. it's it's like this. So I still have that rush. But now I have the experience of people being like, I don't need it right away. I just need it. And, and now businesses are learning how to adapt to this like future scheduling thing. Which I don't think people are typically good with, no. with small business. I really no. don't. But I just had this experience with a screen company, window screens. Could I have done it myself? Probably. Yeah. Would it have looked right? Mm, not <laughs> questionable. But I I called and it was like, yeah, we're five weeks out. I was like, okay, you know, how firm is that? It was pretty firm. You know, they say if anything cancels, we can move you in or whatever. But they were on it, like at at just before the date, okay, we're gonna be out there at this time. The day before, like, well we did have one cancel, so we're gonna come two hours early. So I I got to see this this small business adapting to this change. They're busy and I'm like, absolutely, it's fine. I'll be here. You know, come come to that.
0: Where am I gonna go? I can't go anywhere anyway. Yeah.
1: We're all locked we're all just staring out the window hoping somebody's (laughs) gonna knock.
0: Do, Do you do you have any regrets um building these companies? I'm um, not not regretting the companies themselves, but are there gonna be any decisions you've made that you regret where you think, Darn, I if you look back, I could have done that better or I could have been better here or <sighs> Um Yes. I
1: think um in an effort to cast a wide net, you spend money beyond your reach. Yeah. You know? I'm familiar. Yeah. So I used to have what I called the education fund. And the education fund was not something that I knew I was spending, but at the end of the year, I go like, ah, "Well, there went fifty grand." You know, I, I do know for years. I was yeah. like, ah, "Man, not another one." Like I'm, I'm just paying for college right. every year. I'm just paying for college, and um, again, you learn, you learn, and you don't do it again. But we tried. I mean, any any, any way we could go to get get our name out there in the beginning, and I, I, it's funny. I mean, you know, what? I'm talking. 12 now, maybe when we started to really push 12, 13 years ago, uh, it was still very different than today. Yeah. Very different. We did so much print, so much print, you know, and then like talking to like weird little TV shows and stuff. Like, can I get on there? Like, because people still actually watched regular television. Right. Like, that was the thing. I did crazy well on radio for years. Um, but I think about like because some of the voice. It's the voice y- you have. Yeah. The
0: radio voice. Listen, listen, it's guys. Ridiculous. Listen to that. Yeah, you're making me sound bad. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, But those kind of things, you know, maybe, maybe getting
1: too excited. I, I did find this. This is one thing I can tell you for sure, and, and maybe you've experienced this as well. You know, in the sales side of things, it's hard to find a really great salesperson, somebody who really does a good job of representing both your company, your product, and your ideals, and and they can close right. I found that if somebody walks in the door saying, "Here's what I'm going to do for you," uh, I should just show them the exit because it never works out. You know, like if you come in big, you end up leaving big, yeah, you know and and that's been something that I've found, and maybe this isn't, this isn't a truth, like I'm not going to speak this as an absolute truth. Sure, sure. if you If you come in humble and knowledgeable and you're able to connect with your customer, you're going to do very, very well. There it is. That's
0: it. I actually believe that so much.
1: yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. I, I think that you come in boastful. You, you, they, people stop listening. Yeah, you know, They're like
0: oh, ooh, yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just here's is. Here's the information. Here's here's how it works. Here's your price. Yeah, let me know if you like it. Yeah, that's it. We we've sold on the let me know if you want to do it model forever. Not like what what uh, what paint job can I get you in today? You know, like we're yeah. not gonna. It's just like here's what it is, and it's all in print. There's no deals, right? You know, we don't have to say, well, if you do this today, we'll do this for you. There's none of that <laughs> only stuff. Only for
0: limited time yeah. in the next
1: 10 minutes. That's right. So, so we've never gone like, a, we, we publicly put our price lists out. Everything is just wide exposed, which is not common. Yeah. You know, and that's gotten other companies in trouble when they say, you know, XYZ Lawn Care is paying $15 a bag for this. But Joe's over here is in the same neck of the woods who's buying less of it is only paying 10. How did that happen? And then that gets out, you know, so, so it, we run on a very direct, you know, everybody very transparent. This is the way things go. And it helps. I mean, you know, nobody, nobody guesses.
0: That's interesting. I actually had a conversation yesterday with an entrepreneur who said that they were, they did not want to put their prices online because then, or their videos, mm-hmm. their content building, because then people know.
1: Yeah. And I'm the
0: opposite. Same here. Shove it out there. Yeah. Like, and cause people will look. Yeah, I get annoyed if I can't look. When someone comes to your website, it's the first thing they're going to look for is is it the right fit and how much. Yeah, and if I can't find how much, I don't want to call. I agreed. I don't want to email. I don't want to. I don't want to fill out a quote and no. then they'll call me later. I don't want to do it. No, the insurance companies ruined that
1: one for us. Like, yeah. oh, is this the the Utah health insurance? Like, bring phones ringing from ninety different people, and you yeah. you never get a thing. You know, <laughs> you you still don't have an answer. So, so that was another piece of it. Is you know, we print it. We we get all the priceless out to people. We show them what it is. There's, you know, it's so simple it's to have integrity and just, here's what it is. You know, we don't wheel and deal because what if somebody said something to somebody else and somebody said this and does that, and like, what what good does that do you at the end of the day?
0: Do you think business is simple? When Actually, you strip it all away? I, I, I know do. some people, they want to make it so complicated and they're some big hero and some just think, eh.
1: It's relationships.
0: That's what I say. That's all it is. Yeah
1: that's all it is every day. It's, it's, it's talking to people every day. It's getting to know people, um, you know, knowing your, your customers, your kids, their names, their pets, their birthdays. I mean, like stuff like that. You get to know people, make a lot of friends. And, and, and I think it's really important too, is I don't have trouble having people who I do business with who are also friends. That's not a problem. If they chose to not do business with me, Doesn't mean they're not my friend anymore. So you know, I still have people like that who's like, "Yeah, we've known each other forever. We met through business. We don't actually interact that way. It doesn't affect the relationship. Gotcha. Because always people kind of come back around, or they'll call for something or advice or whatever. It's all. It's always there. Yeah. So I I do think just being being yourself in business is a big thing because at first your identity is your business. Yeah. And at some point you have to be yourself yeah. and the business has to have, have its own identity. And for that, that piece guys struggle on owner operators, small businessmen, they, they have, they are so emotionally tied to their business yeah. that if something happens, they take it as a personal affront to them, Yep, which isn't the case. There's, there's that entity and there's you Yeah, and you need to remember that. And, and it's, it's, it's an asset. It's not an extension of you. It's an asset. You got to work it as an asset.
0: Yeah. And that's hard. That's a hard lesson. You know, you, make, you go out and a job doesn't go the way you want it. You take it personal. Oh, big time. Or something you can't control. A lawn yeah. doesn't look great because yeah. they didn't water it. You take it personal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and the first time you get fired from a customer is really challenging. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. you can't, can't sleep. Yeah. No. Like, I don't know what, maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. Yeah. You know, like uh, some people just
0: don't keep going. It's not a good fit. Yeah.
1: The shelf life of a customer in lawn care is only like three and a half years anyway.
0: Yeah, it's fast. <laughs> um, in winding down, tell me a little bit about your kids. And huh. I know you. And you, what do you like to do for fun? Because I know, obviously, you like to write, play in the band, um, ski mm-hmm, a lot. But what else? I know you've got you've got two kids. Yep. Uh, I think you said about 11. and eight and eleven. Eight and 11. So yeah, boy and girl. So that's an age. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. They so, can talk back. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting rough around there. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm here, actually, right now. I just needed to get out. Of that t- they're just I think I left them in a closet. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, they're, they're a blast. They're super fun. We do go on a lot of adventures. I take them on my business travels a lot awesome. as well, so they get to come and be part of it. My daughter loves going into the trade shows and stuff. She has a great time with that. Um, we Normal life? Normal life is a lot outside. Yeah. It's a lot outside. So I mountain bike a ton. Like a ton. Yeah, yeah I know. I, shirt, I, I like that shirt. Yeah. I, um,
0: I only have one shirt. So this is the shirt I always that's wear. That's cool.
1: Yeah, I get it. So um, obviously this time of year is fantastic, yeah. but I, I tend to try to go three or four times a week. Awesome. I'm, I'm out as, as much as I can. Um, yeah, obviously I ski a ton when, when that can happen. I, I just like being outside. Yeah. Like, and, and I love having projects that way. Um, both of my kids, well, my daughter's super artistic. Very artistic. She's got an amazing voice. She songwrites. She's drawing and painting all the time. So she's got more of that. My son is not. He is a nerd and uh, and he's so smart and he's booky and he's a geek and I love it. Yeah. But he does not have that same. It's t- that's so funny. So different. It's
0: hard to please them both. I and mean, hey, we're going to go out and do this, and one wants to yeah. do that and that. But they both love adventures.
1: Yeah. So you know, I am much more of a. Uh, I guess from sort of a, a gift-giving standpoint as a father, it's it's destinations and it's experiences. Yeah. It's not...
0: Things and toys. Crap, yeah. They have to buy their own stuff. They have to buy their own crap. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, John, thank you so much for coming down and spending some time talking a little bit more about, about your life and the companies you built. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. They're awesome. I mean, I'm part of a lot of the groups, and I see people love your products business is on the move, new things happening.
1: Yeah. nonstop.
0: It's awesome. It's great. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode of the company next door.